This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the cheeseheads who want it fresh, and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And today we have, for what feels like the first time in a really long time, um, a special guest joining us for the show. We have Cassidy oh. Hill with us. Um, who works for the Green Bay Packers press? Is it the Press Gazette? Press Gazette, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Packers News is kind of all under the same umbrella. See, I tried to check your bio and it, you just put that you were a Bama native. So that wasn't very, <laughs> very helpful for me as far as giving you I'm the introduction sorry. that you so deserved. But yeah, I, I mean, think we've been I following your work. Like, the JS online and the Packers news, <laughs> but it's also press Gazette. It's yeah. It's, it's a little confusing. It's all under the USA today umbrella. So yeah, you can find Cassidy anywhere. Well, thank you. I like being called a special guest. That makes me feel special. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, you know, Perry and I, when we started the podcast, one of our goals of the show was to have as many female voices on as we could that either cover the Packers or opposing teams, just NFL voices. And when you came on with the Packers, you were one of the people that we immediately wanted to get on the show. And we're honestly, it's our fault for taking this long to, to bring you on yeah, the what's show. Up with that? I'm kidding. It's Perry's <laughs> fault. It's Perry's fault. <laughs> no, I'm so excited to join y'all. I've loved following both of what both of you have done. And especially with this podcast, um, so I'm excited to be here and to to be a part of it. So really appreciate what y'all are done, especially to kind of highlight the females and, and women here on the beat. So I mean, yeah. Perry, do you wanna do you wanna kick us off since sure, it was, I uh... can kick us off. Yeah. No, we we love it. We love having you guys on. Um I don't pay close enough attention to the rest of the league to know about, you know, how many female reporters each team has, but I do feel like Green Bay is just increasing as the years have mm-hmm. gone on so we love to see that i love all of your you know photos on the sideline during training camp and i feel like every year there's more and more women that are joining yeah. covering your team so um it's amazing we're very happy to have you um before we dive into this week this matchup london um we would love to just like give you the floor so our listeners can get to know you a little bit more um, just give us your background, how you made your way to Green Bay, how are you liking Green Bay, um, and <laughs> anything that you would love to share. I, I feel like I just like showed up here one day. It happened so quickly. So um, as Baggy said in my Twitter bio, all she really got out of it was that I'm a Bama native. So I am from Alabama, born and raised. When you are born and raised in Alabama, you have no choice but to fall in love with football or you're bored. Um and grew up there, went to University of Alabama. I was a disappointment to my entire family by going to Alabama. 
because my entire family is Auburn fans. Oh. And I don't I still don't think my grandma has forgiven me. Um <laughs> but you know, she'll eventually have to get over it. I'll never forget like when I graduated, we were sitting outside like the Alabama Coliseum where they hold graduation. And I took a picture of her because I was like, Grandma, look at what you're sitting on. And it was like this low wall and it said University of Alabama Athletics. And she was like, you should notice the only part of my body that is touching this. Because <laughs> she was sitting on it. That's my grandma. Anyways, so went to Alabama, um, graduated with a degree in sports broadcasting, uh, which was which was really cool to be able to go there and major in sports broadcasting. And all of my classes had a sports track. Uh, opened up so many doors internship-wise. We're really, really grateful for, for all I was able to do coming out of Alabama. Um, got to cover a national championship or two. I think it was like number 13 or something. I, they all I run together. <laughs> championship probs. They all run together. Yeah. Um, and then moved right after college to Gainesville and spent about 10 years covering the Florida Gators, all of the different sports in Central Florida, which are so many. And uh, towards the end of my time in Florida, covered the Jacksonville Jaguars through, you know, a one win season, getting Trevor Lawrence, Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer going to a bar in Columbus, tons of fun. Um, And about the middle of that season, saw a a job posting, was able to connect with an editor at the Journal Sentinel and knew I had wanted to make the full time jump to the NFL. As much as I love college football as a fan, as a reporter, it's so much easier to do your job in the NFL. So I knew I wanted to make that jump and uh, saw the the posting and talked to the editor. And I was like, I mean, if someone offers you a chance to turn down the Green Bay Packers, you don't turn it down. Like you, you, you jump at that as quickly as you can. So I think from the day I saw the posting till the day I moved into Green Bay was about four weeks. It wow. happened very quickly um, because my, my predecessor, Olivia Reiner, who, who did a great job and really kind of established a, a really good standard here in this job, she moved on to cover the flyers. So, she, you know, she got to move home. She couldn't say no to that. And so they were looking for somebody quick. So it, it came together, perfect timing. And my very first day was the day that Aaron Rodgers tested positive for COVID. So it was a really good introduction to the beat and to my job. And I will never forget my first day. That is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You have, you've covered some drama in the NFL in your short time. Apparently it follows me. I may be the problem. (laughs) It's like, am I the drama? I'm the drama. Isn't that a TikTok sound? I'm just like, am I the drama? Has it been as big of a change as you thought it would be going from covering college football to the NFL? Um, well, at least in Green Bay, it's a lot colder. I can tell you that. <laughs> from Bama, especially, yeah. Especially, and from Florida. Yeah. I mean, I spent 10 years covering the Gators. That stadium's called the Swamp for a reason. It is just <laughs> a blanket of humidity at every game, even in November. Um, so it's, it's much different in that aspect. The The stuff I was always worried about were like, the little nuance rule changes, you know, some of the, some of the difference in like the two minute rules and the first down rule, like when the clock stops versus when it doesn't. And um, you know, what's a catch. <laughs> and, and, and so some of that stuff was the stuff I was worried about. I was very lucky that my first foray into the NFL was covering the Jaguars. Like, so I spent a year and a half covering the Jaguars too. And a lot of people in Florida, if you cover the Gators, you also cover the Jaguars. So like I was stepping into a press box where I already knew pretty much, I would say 75% of the people in there. So they kind of held my hand and walked me through it and, you know, taught me the difference between being cut and being waived and, you know, on your rookie deal versus a veteran, like they kind of walked me through all that. So I, I was very lucky to have a lot of people who I'd worked with for 10 years already kind of introduced me to the little nuances that are different in the NFL. And I'm still learning some of them. Um, Very, very lucky here as well. I'm currently sitting in office with Tom Silverstein. He's on the other side here (laughs) and I bug him all the time. I would be totally lost without him. He joked earlier that he's going to retire one day. And I was like, you're not allowed to do that. (laughs) No, you're here as long as I'm here, bud. We're riding this out together. Um, So very lucky that I've had the people around me that I have to kind of make that transition a little easier because I mean, the, the sport is still the same. My job is still the same. Having locker room access is a little different, um, but I did enough Jaguar stuff with former Florida players that that wasn't totally new. Uh, 
but it's, it's just those little nuances that, you know, have been ingrained in your brain for so long about this is when the clock stops. This is when it starts. This is when they can review it. This is when they can't. This is one foot down versus two foot down. And that are different between college and the NFL that you just kind of have to remind yourself of. And when I see rookies do it as well, I'm like, okay, well, it's not just me. You know, like I'll see a, a guy like fall down and the rookie DB not touch him because in college he's all, he's automatically right. down. You don't have to touch him. And then he gets up and runs and the DB standing there. I, I, this is not just a random example. I've saw this happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rookie DB standing there like, what the hell? Like he just, he was down. And, you know, so it's little things like that, that you just have to train your brain to, to remember the new roles in the NFL. Is there a challenge going from, like, obviously, when you covered Bama, you were talking about all the championships. We know, like, the pedigree of Alabama sports, especially college football. And then you go to Jacksonville, where it's a completely different type of rebuild. You talked about a one-win season. And then going back to, you know, in the NFL, the Packers, who have tons of national champions or tons of championships and Super Bowls. And, you know, is it, like... Is one more enjoyable than the other? Is it a different challenge based on your expectations? Like, what's it like to go from a team where you didn't have expectations to now a team that mm. is potentially a Super Bowl contender for at least the years that you've been there? That's a very good question. Um, let me think on it for a second. <laughs> it, it's it's a little different, mostly with the fans and, and how you interact with the fans and the things that they want to know and the things that they care about, which and that's. My job, my job is to connect the fans to the team and the players they love. And so interacting with fans and, and, you know, wanting to hear what the fan base cares about is a huge part of it. And that is, is the biggest difference in the culture is how the fan base reacts to things. Not so much the teams, the teams at the end of the day, all have the same goal. They usually go about it the same way. That's not going to change that much. Um, At Alabama, the culture was very much business-like. We're going to always win no matter what. We're always going to do it like this. And we're only going to wear two uniforms while we do it. And it was, it was very tradition based. And then I went to, which is a lot like green Bay. So that's, that's kind of cool to see that. Um, Then I went to Florida where it was, we might win spectacularly or we might lose spectacularly, but it's going to be a ride the entire way. You know, there's shoes being thrown. There's just, it's a little, it was a little more, um, it was just a roller coaster ride, but it was fun for a lot of it, except the expectations at Florida were so ridiculously high and not always based in reality because <laughs> they had had a great run for, I mean, I mean, especially people my age, like in their late twenties and early thirties, they all, all they remembered was Danny Warfel and being coached by Steve Spurrier and then Tim Tebow. And then they almost had Cam Newton and, um, you know, championships in 20, 2006 and 2008 and basketball was winning in the middle of that as well. And so like they had a great run of about 15 years and then they think that that's all it should ever be. And so that kind of reminds me a little bit of green Bay as well, but green Bay fans and and Florida fans are going to get on me for saying this. Green Bay fans are a little more reasonable (laughs) with what they're expecting. Um, Florida fans would always want the backup quarterback would always want, um, you know, a coach fired after two games. I wish I was exaggerating. And so it could be exhausting. Um, and cause there was always like, well, there's, there's something bad on the other side of this great win, you know? So let's just, even though the quarterback did great and he's a Heisman contender, let's bench him to see what the guy behind him can do. And so it was nice to kind of get to Green Bay where you've had um, embedded quarterbacks for 30 years and and you have fans that see what can happen when you let a guy develop and he can become a four-time MVP if you just let him get there. And so I think that that'll be easier of a transition. I know people freak out about like what's going to happen when we have to transition to Jordan Love one day but I think it'll be easier than at other places I've been because they can see they, they have the history of seeing like what can happen when you let a guy come along and let him develop. Um, Jacksonville fans didn't care. They're all they did. <laughs> and so they were like, as long as we're getting better, I'll take it. That was actually a lot of fun to cover that team because the team, the, the guys obviously wanted to win, but like the fans were a lot of fun because they just, they were used to losing. So if you lost, it wasn't a big deal. And if they won, it was a huge party. 
Um, and then getting Trevor Lawrence, who is probably, I would put in the top three of just most pure talented people I've ever seen throw a football. And, yeah. and so getting Kim was a lot of fun for them. That's such a cool fan base. They pulled together like when Trevor Lawrence got married and bought him a, a $400 toaster that was on his wedding registry and fans <laughs> got so really into it. <laughs> it was so cute. Well, the fans got really into it. They ended up raising like $20,000. And so they asked Trevor Lawrence, like, what is your favorite charity? And they donated the rest of the money to that. And so that was like his additional wedding gift in addition to the toaster. So that was the, the losing part of it wasn't necessarily difficult to like switch from as far as like a one win team to a, a team that's won 13 Super Bowls. It's more the fan base mentality. That's always a little bit different, but I have found that green Bay fans are for the most part, usually very reasonable. And I know there's always some fans and some people be like, really they're reasonable after 10 years of Florida fans, anything is reasonable. <laughs> um, anyone is more reasonable than that. And so it's been a lot of fun to like interact with the fans and kind of figure out what, what matters to them and what they like. And, and they really like getting to know their guys and remembering the traditions. And that's my favorite part of it as well. So I've enjoyed that. You hear that Maggie? We're reasonable. <laughs> crazy. We knew we were reasonable. We, we knew weren't we a problem. Were. <laughs> Everybody else is crazy. <laughs> it is interesting. Like there is such a mentality um, amongst I think Green Bay fans that, like there is an expectation to win, but you're right. It isn't displaced by any means. It's it's there because we see right. what this team can do. We know who's under center. And because of that, like the sky's the limit, essentially, mm-hmm. um, which for the last couple of years, you know, they, they've gotten so close and, and kind of missed the mark. So it's right. fair, I think, to expect, well, what's left then? Like yeah. what's left is making it to another Super Bowl. Super Bowl, right. That's a great point that like the expectations are reasonable and the disappointment is reasonable to get that close and to fall short with because of something that was totally in your control. So that's a very good point. Yeah. I think reasonable that kind fan of- base all around. <laughs> I love that. Look at that. Um. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. I I think this is a really good transition actually because we wanted to ask you about both the vibe in the building, kind of on the way, you know, with the Packers going to London, but what you've heard from fans because I think now fans are starting to get excited about it but before when it was announced that the Packers are finally going to travel to London there was a lot of hesitancy to say like hey we don't want to give up a home game what's going to happen to the Green Bay market it's so important to Lambeau Field to have games here so having the 17th game now on the schedule you know have you noticed like a tone shift from the fan base is there excitement or is the excitement still kind of in 1265 and the actual you know Green Bay area is not not that thrilled for it you know what's so funny is I wouldn't even say the excitement is in 1265 because Matt LaFleur certainly doesn't he does seem, not excited. seem excited. <laughs> he does not at all. Sassy Maddie all week. Um, <laughs> and I think the players are, are a little excited, but they also know that like there's still a game. They're staying 45 minutes north of London. They're practicing 45 minutes north of London. So like, <laughs> I think I like disappointed one of them today. Um, like Bobby Tunney was talking about how he he sent his mom and aunt early or her, her cousin, like he sent them early and gave them like a week in London. And he's like, yeah, so, you know, I'll go in and, and, and walk around with them. And I was like, you, you realize you're staying 45 minutes North of the city. He's like, are you serious? They didn't realize they were that far North. Um, and so I think the players like kind of think it's cool, but a lot of them, have been there with other teams, mm-hmm. you know, like Russell Douglas went with Philadelphia, like Preston went with Washington. Like 
a lot of them are, you know, Keyshawn Nixon went with the Raiders. So a lot of them have been because the Packers are the very last team to not play in this game. And which kind of blows my mind. They've been able to like kick the can down the road and say no for 10 years. And after 10 years, the NFL just put their foot down and they're like, you're playing a game in London, like whether you want to or not. And so because of that, like, I understand like kind of what you were saying, Maggie, about like, you know, there's a little bit of disappointment of like, it takes a home game away from Lam home game away from Lambeau. It's so important to the green Bay market, which I get, but 31 other teams are going, well, we've been doing this for 10 right. years. Yeah. We've lost a home game for 10 years. Or an, or an away game, because it usually shifts. Like the Jags, for example, they were the first team to do it. So it shifts every year to whether it counts as a home game or an away game from them. Um, and so that's just, for everyone else, that's just part of the schedule now. And so I think the Packers are going to have to get used to it, whether they want to or not, because the International Series is a huge part. And it's, why, it's one of the reasons they wanted to add a 17th game, just to kind of give that game back to teams as well. Um I think it's cool because the Packers have the biggest international fan base of any of the team. So it makes sense that they're the team that, that needs to be over in London or maybe in Germany next year to kind of be playing this international game because it gives a lot of these fans a chance to see the team that they were never going to get to see. And if the NFL wants to continue to grow their brand, which it seems like they do, then these games in London are going to stay on the calendar. Um, you know, as to whether or not the, the players get excited about it, we'll continue to see. It was weird walking into the locker room today because it felt like the last day of school when everybody's like cleaning <laughs> out their desk because they had bags all down the middle of the locker room and the players were just like throwing stuff in like as they found it out of their locker. And um, I, th I think they were starting to get a little excited. You can't help but when you're about to get on a plane and you know you're going overseas, um, Romeo Dobbs was telling me, he's like, it just is crazy. Like, I can't wrap my mind around the fact that I'm going to London to play a football game. And he's like, but, you know, it's kind of cool. Um, and I was like, well, are you going to do anything? And he's like, I'll probably just stay in the hotel room. And Dean Lowry was like, no, we'll get, we'll get Romeo into London. Don't worry. We'll get him down there. So I, I think some of them are excited. Some of them are wanting to just kind of like get over there and play the game. And, you know, they're like, I'll go back in the off season. But yeah. It's it was a little bit more excited in the locker room today than it had been. I love hearing before. that. Yeah, I can see it going either way, right? I can definitely see players being like, "Well, we know that this is going to be a challenge, right? This adds an extra challenge to preparation." Mm -hmm. Like you've heard it from Matt. You have two opponents: the Giants and the jet lag. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So, but I can also see like some guys who have never been there before, or you're, like you said, get to be in front of the fans, which is something I've been thinking about all week as well. You said it right. There are so many international fans. Maggie and I have interacted with UK Packers fans. Um, we know like BBC covers the NFL. Like, like really? Like, yeah. Like they BBC sport, like covers the NFL. They cover the championship game. They cover all of it. Um, and so I'm almost also excited to see like is it going to feel like a Packers home game because right. Packers fans travel so well and there are so many of them over there I mean I've seen on Twitter for weeks how excited everybody is mm -hmm. to to make their way there so it could also end up being a really fun experience because it's not Lambeau it's not a home game but they might get that home game vibe being so far yeah. away from home so I'm wondering if that'll give them some juice but have that's to see a great point there because usually when you watch these international games, it's like all the fans are just in jerseys from all 32 teams. Mm -hmm. And they're just like Preston made that smart comment today. He's like, they just cheer the whole time because they, they don't have a team to cheer for. And some of them don't know necessarily what the is going on. So they just cheer yeah. the whole time. Yeah. Um, but he was, but that's a great point. I mean, with so many Packers fans, that could easily be skewed towards Packers fans at that game. So that'll be interesting to, to watch out for. I couldn't believe when I saw the stat that said that, you know, I mean, they're three and one teams. It's not like, you know, we've been through the bulk of the season yet, but that this is the first time two winning teams have played in London. Yeah. Like when you think about how many games have been played in London to think about the, the quality of the games that maybe London fans have mm -hmm. seen for them to finally get, you know, something that's really competitive, even though it's in the first quarter of the season, I think is also really exciting for them. A good game. A good yeah. game. Yeah. Preston Smith made the comment, and I had forgot that he would have played in this game that he played in the tie game in London mm -hmm. when it was, I, yeah. I think it was against the Vikings. Was it Washington versus Minnesota? And it ended in a tie. Of course for, I mean, for British soccer fans, a tie is like normal. Right. So that's, they're not going for a tie though on Sunday. They almost no, had that this won't. past week. 
They want to see a win no, for thanks. sure. As do we. We want to exactly. see a win as well. So speaking of wins, um, how do we think the Packers come away with this? I think aside from the whole making sure your prep is good this week, like battling the mm-hmm. jet lag, all, all of that aside, like just looking at this Giants matchup, mm-hmm. I think the thing that everyone, you know, stands out to everyone at this point is like, well, you got to stop Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. That, 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 that right now is like number 1A. Um, he's leading the league, I think, right right now in in rushing mm-hmm. yards. He's also like, if you look at the list of top five, he's number four just simply with his yards after contact. So tackling is going to be a big a big one here. But um, like aside, you know, Saquon and also what else is yeah. the formula, right? Luckily, tackling and containing hasn't been an issue for this defense. <laughs> um, I think they're in like the bottom third in their rushing defense. And then Saquon, like you said, leads the league. I think he has like, what, like 438 yards. That's, that's like a buck 10 a, a game, basically. And then um, because of that, their team overall leads the league in team rushing. And that's because they could use Daniel Jones in that sense as well. So, I mean, if Daniel Jones doesn't play and then Tyrod Taylor probably doesn't play, then you've got Davis Webb, who is, you're looking at second straight week with a third-string quarterback, but that kind of bit him in the butt last week. Um, and so that'll be interesting just to figure out what to prepare for under center. But it all starts and stops with Saquon right now. And the only thing that like makes me think might work in their favor is that in the past when they've known – like when they've known – everything is going to go through that running back, they've been able to shut that down. It's when it's balanced that it's bitten them so far over the past, like, you know, this year and a little bit into last season as well. But, I mean, you think about the second Minnesota game last year where Dalvin Cook had, what, like 12 yards? Now, granted, that was because Sean Manning was quarterback and not Kirk Cousins to run the RPO, so that's a little bit different, but still. And then this year with Leonard Fournette, versus Tampa they knew it was going to go through Fournette because there was you know no receivers out there and they put Cole Beasley into retirement after that game (laughs) and so he ended with what 35 yards and and he was the only person rushing the ball and so when they when they've known it's going through one guy they've been able to swarm and to stop him however my colleague Ryan Wood made a great point when we were recording our podcast earlier today he was like Tampa Bay running their entire offense through Leonard Fournette was an anomaly. That was one game where they had to do that. The Giants run their offense through Saquon Barkley every week. They know how to let the off they know how to let the run game run their offense. Mm-hmm. And so it's a little bit tougher to prepare for that when the team has so many tricks up their sleeve and when Saquon Barkley is so, so powerful. Rasul Douglas was saying this week, he was like, you know, we all look and look at Saquon and like look at his quads and see how powerful he is. And you think that makes him a pure power back. And Rasul Douglas said, he's essentially AJ Dillon with speed. And I said, so you, so like combining Dillon and Jones. And he was like, yeah, but with more speed and then even more speed, he's so fast. And, and that's deceptive when you look at a guy like that and you think it's going to be pure between the tackles in the trenches, three yards in a cloud of dust. Just don't let him get four. If he's that fast, that means he can hit the edge as well. And we've seen him. We've seen him be that fast, but we forget because he's been injured. And so, you know, he's it's like he's kind of coming back on and reminding everybody what he can do. Um, and I think it was Preston Smith who said, you know, I, I used to have to play him when I was in Washington. Mm-hmm. And it's so, so tough to bring him down. You can't do it with one guy. And so, I mean, they're – as cliche as it sounds, it's going to be all hats to the ball every time he touches it. And you're just going to have to swarm him. And you're going to have to, you're going to have to, have to, have to set the edges and contain because that's been where um, Stevenson hurt him. It's been where Harris hurt him. I mean, it's, it's been where quarterbacks that can get out on a, on a boot can hurt him. And if Daniel Jones is playing, that's going to be what he does. That's his game. And so you've got to set those edges. I know that they've been able to get home with four, I maybe would keep, like Smith back just to be safe, bring Campbell and Quay up even more, keep Adrian Amos in the box where he's so, so dynamic. If you can, as much as possible, go one high the entire game just to keep, keep eight men down because you're going to have to put everything you have on Saquon Barkley to, to even have a chance on defense. 
And then on offense, I think they sh- this should be a little bit more skewed towards the Packers on offense. I mean, I know Brian Dable has the Giants like looking much better defensively, but like you can if you can keep it balanced the way you have in the past couple of weeks, running Jones, running Dylan, and then hitting you know Dobbs and Lazard and Cobb kind of over the middle. Love the jet sweeps they're doing with Christian Watson. Want to see at least one of those a game. Um, he's so so fast. And so if they can kind of keep it balanced with this RPO offense that they have been running, um, they should they should be fine. They should be able to stay in it score-wise as long as if, – if they can get ahead, which is almost why if you win the toss, I would almost take it. If they can get ahead and force the Giants to play from behind, then they're not as dependent on Saquon Barkley, and then you can really kind of get after them a lot yeah. more. We've been saying, I mean, I think we've been saying for the last like two seasons, like when you win the toss, they always defer. And I mm-hmm. wish that they would get the ball because this team mm-hmm. plays so differently when they're ahead versus mm-hmm. when they're behind. Right. That's a um, great point. I'm I, like, I understand. Or go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I mean, I love what you said on defense. I think we talked last week about, you know, losing Amos that early in the game, if that hurt mm-hmm. them especially in the run in run defense because he does play so well in the box and he is such a good mm-hmm. run defender. There's always, you know, we'll never know. Um, mm-hmm. but I completely agree. I would love to see Joe do all the things you said. Now, will he is the question. Um, will it take, you know, for, for, will it take, you know, first drive defense, Saquon Barkley touchdown to, to make those adjustments? We'll find out, but there is a very clear blueprint here. Yeah. And, you know, Matt LaFleur made the comment Monday that um, he had mentioned to Joe Barry, like, you know, I know we like to stay in a too high shell. We might have to come out of it more than we we have been, um, which I thought was interesting. And I, I tried to follow up on him with it. And I was like, can you expand on that? And he's like, did you not follow me? And I wanted to be like, I know what a too high shell is, Matt. I want to know if you overruled your defensive coordinator. Um, <laughs> but he was like, you know, and he did go on to give a great answer and said that he and Barry just kind of talked about like, as much as we want this to be our base with a two high, like there's going to be times we have to drop out of it. And, mm-hmm. and and if that means keeping Amos in the box, as much as he doesn't like being there the whole game, then that's, that's going to be what you're going to have to do. They're probably going to have to do that Sunday. If Matt LaFleur is having those conversations with Joe Barry, I do think we see more of a change in the next couple of games here, because those are conversations he's kind of left to his defensive staff in the past. So if yeah. he's inserting himself in there, Matt LaFleur was working with the DBs all during practice day that was open to the media. Um, usually we see him over with the – it's not like totally unheard of to see him on the defensive side of the practice field, um, but it, it's, it happens less often than not. And he was kind of running the defensive back drills. And so, you know, maybe he's kind of stepping into that side more and, and, and making some demands as the head coach. So I'd be interested to see how they come out on the first drive on Sunday. Cause that first drive is what gets them. It's understandable. Those are the scripted plays for the offense. Defenses are always going to get bit on that first drive, but can you keep them out of the end zone? Cause that's been where it's been hurting them, you know, keeping either giving up a touchdown or letting them get close enough to kick a field goal. If you can keep them deeper than 40, I think that that'll be a success on the first drive. So I'll be interested to see how they line up on that first drive on Sunday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and I think one of the really interesting parts about this game, too, is, you know, on paper, like you could argue that the Packers have the edge. Perry and I talked about a pre-show where, you know, Daniel Jones, you mentioned it as well, is really good at, you know, extending plays with his legs. But we saw Mm -hmm. the Packers just completely eliminated that for Justin Fields and the Bears, and then they couldn't Mm -hmm. get anything going through the air. So, yes, David Montgomery gashed him for 180 yards, or the the backfield did, the tandem, but it didn't matter because that game was so in control. And I think one of the sticking points in this matchup in general is third down defense. You've got the two best third down defenses in the league. The Packers are first, the Giants are second. So, like, who's going to use their bruising back in Saquon and A.J. Dillon and, you know, 
Aaron Jones gets the nod here as well to sustain drives because if these teams are both going three and out constantly and nobody's having any progress, eventually I think the floodgates open up and both teams run the ball everywhere. And, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really curious to see, I guess, which, which third down defense kind of bends first. That's a really good point. And that, that will be interesting to watch because I feel like the Packers have been very balanced on third down so far. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually a team is going to take away one of those things. They're either going to take away AJ Dillon or they're going to take away Randall Cobb. And how do you, <laughs> how do you react after that? Um, and especially with the Packers, like a team is eventually going to be able to shut down Aaron Jones. Mm-hmm. Do you have enough firepower on the edges to, to work around that when it happens? Because sure, you've got enough to get it here and there, but what happens when you have to go back to that completely, which still kind of blows my mind that we're sitting here and going, does the four-time MVP have enough to win a game through the air? Like, <laughs> the, yeah. the, it blows my mind that that's where we're at. Um, but again, I do think the fact that they've been able to to lean more on the RPO this year has helped, um, which also like Spoon had to remind me the other day because I said something about like, why is this a novel concept? You always run the ball to set up the pass. That's like the rule of thumb for an offense. And he's like, the Packers haven't had to do that with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> like yeah. they've never had to run the ball to set up the pass because they could just pass. Um, and so even though it, it seems a little weird in the scheme of like what Green Bay does, that's that's a balanced op- That's what a balanced offense looks like. That's how most teams operate. And so as long as they don't lean too heavily on one versus the other, I think they'll be okay. Because I, I, even though I know that we sit here and say it needs to run through Aaron Jones, he's our most valuable offensive player. There's gonna t- there's gonna be a game. There's gonna be a team that takes him away. Um, I really thought Bill Belichick would be the one to do it. But when that happens, do you have enough on the edges? Right now, I think they do. They they don't have enough in one area to lean on one area versus the other, but they have enough to keep it balanced. Um, so does that get around the Giants third down defense? I don't know. But like I said, if they can keep throwing it to Randall Cobb over the middle on third down, they're okay. You would think somebody would eventually like stop that. He was telling me, I was asking him to break down his third down from overtime for me. And we, I started this like new series called like Chalk Talk, where I just have like somebody break down the biggest play of the game. And he was like, I was just in man. So I manned my guy up and I'm like, I, I get it, but like you know, on third on third and short, he's gonna look for Cobb if it's not a run play, like. And it's kind of funny for as much as we've talked about like this defense needing to play more man versus zone. In that situation, you play zone and you put someone right there over the middle to not let Randall Cobb come across and beat you like it's easy on a slant. But they've been able to do it. I mean, they did it twice the other day versus the Patriots. Yeah, um, yeah. did it versus yeah. Tampa Bay. I think maybe. It's interesting you say that because, I mean, I definitely sit on my couch and I'm like, Aaron Jones can get as many touches as he wants in this game and it will (laughs) never be enough. But when it comes to the passing game, I think the pattern that we've seen so far this season, if you can start to glean patterns after four weeks, but is that the ball is very much getting spread around, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody, it's it's a totally opposite from the passing game with Devontae Adams, where you know Devontae Mm -hmm. Adams is getting the bulk of the targets, if not all of the first reads and everyone else kind of gets sprinkled in. It's been very, very even four here, five Mm -hmm. here, three here. Right. And so I'm almost wondering if that actually makes defending this Packers offense more difficult Mm -hmm. because before you're like, well, you know, Devonte Adams is getting the ball. So you're going to try to do everything you can to contain him. Now you couldn't because he's amazing, but you did, did your best. And then you devote your resources to, to the rest of this team. Now, you're seeing Cobb on third down. You're seeing Dobbs here. You're seeing Christian Watson on the jet sweeps. You're getting Lazard in the mix. Like you're getting Bobby Tunyon. Eventually they're going to get Sammy Watkins back. And it's like, now all of a sudden you're like, wait, we no one's number one, but we kind of have to cover all of them because mm-hmm. Rogers with the football mind that he has is going to be able to read what's going on and try to get the ball right to, to the right guy. He's been a little inconsistent, but that's not going to stay for the rest of the season. He's Aaron Rodgers, So it could be really interesting to see if this like spread of offensive weapons actually makes defending them maybe a little bit more difficult. Right. I think that's a great point. And that was something that Rogers even mentioned last week facing the Patriots. He said, you know, Bill 
what Bill does best is take away the thing you want to do the most. Mm-hmm. And he said, but luckily we don't have that one thing this year. And I'm not going to give him any ideas who it is. Because again, as much as we sit here and say it's Aaron Jones, it's more so because it should be Aaron Jones. But that doesn't necessarily mean it has been. One week it's Aaron Jones. One week it's Romeo Dobbs. Last week versus the Patriots, he went to Lazard in huge situations. He went to Romeo in huge situations. And so it has been spread around. And you know, I mean, unless it's the Vikings when it goes to nobody. I mean, and so being able to kind of to have that offense where you and we keep saying spread it around and someone is going to be like, oh, so is this a spread offense? <laughs> no, it's no. not. It's the exact opposite. It is the exact opposite of a spread offense. Um, and, and so being able to spread it around to your point kind of works in their favor right now because, OK, you, you might not have one dynamic guy, but it would <laughs> This is such a, a hard argument to take, though, or to have. Would you rather have one dynamic Devontae Adams or four good receivers? Yeah. There's actually not a right or wrong answer to that. I guess we'll like, find out. I think it depends on the way you run this offense. I think for me with Matt, um, I think you're successful either way. It. I think it comes down to, like, scheme and coach at that point. So when Matt got here – we always heard a lot about how he had to like change his offense to kind of to, to account for Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adams. Mm-hmm. This now is what the Matt LaFour offense was in its original state. So I think we're seeing him a little bit more in his comfort zone as well, calling a game. Yeah. I, I think like what's most interesting to me going into this game on Sunday is there was a, a big plays through week four chart that came out earlier this week and the Packers have 35 big plays, 18 rush, 17 uh, receptions. So super balanced. And then you've got the giants who have 25 rushes, which constitutes 10 plus yards and only four passes that count as big plays. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's almost like which offense is going to run their offense better. Like whoever mm-hmm. does what they do well, to a greater extent has the keys to winning the game. If either defense can kind of clamp down on that, then I think that's your key to victory. But, you know, fortunately for the Packers, like we've talked about, you've got multiple options where the giants really have Saquon. And once you, once you take that away, if you can, which is a big, if, if, if you can manage Mm -hmm. to take that away, the passing game kind of, kind of sputters, but that's mm-hmm. that's where I'm looking is, is who's able, I guess, to to address those challenges earlier. And I think that that sets you up for success. I think right. this Especially Packers Kenny Galladay's out. I know. Really. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about this pre-show too, right? Like they don't have all of their weapons healthy either. Mm-hmm. Um, there I don't know. Reports I like this long. Packers defense has shown that they're able so far this season, Vikings game aside, to show up in really big moments. Um and I, I know that the record says the Giants are three and one, but I don't think I look at this as an even matchup. And I don't mean right. that as a Packers fan. I just mean objectively. Like I, I think on paper, the Packers are a better football team. So um I mean, look at the games the Giants have won. You have to take that into mm-hmm. account. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so I, I do think like it may be closer than we'd like it to as Packers fans who would like to see them win because of all the factors that we've talked about so far this game. But I do think there will come a point where the Packers will kind of push that lead ahead. Yeah. And to, to Cassidy's point, too, I mean, you've got Baker Mayfield, Cooper Rush, Justin Fields and Ryan Tannehill were the four quarterbacks that this this giant secondary has seen so far this year. So when you think about it like that, and then you think about, okay, now they're playing Aaron Rodgers, who is getting more and more comfortable with more and more of his weapons. It's a big test for them on on Sunday as well. You know, we talk so much about this, this Giants offense and what they can do, but I think some of the challenges are going to come for the Giants defense more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm looking right now, Let's see, because I remember looking at this earlier today and thinking, oh, they were better than I thought. So the Packers, one, two, three, four, fifth. Packers are fifth in total defense. Um, that's because they're not giving up hardly anything through the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, you know what's kind of funny? Is they're giving up 126 yards per game on the ground, but that's still a lot for on the ground. <laughs> that's quite um, a bit. But if you're having then, like less around 100 yards. yards or less in the air, right? Are you sure? Run the ball, drain the clock. You know, like right. okay. Um, 
So sure, we'll let you do that. We'll give you that. Yeah, we'll give exactly. you five yards on the ground versus 25 through the air. Right, and then exactly. they're seventh in scoring defense. They've only given up 17.3 a game on average. And, and that, I mean, that makes sense because even Sunday versus the Patriots, they really only gave up 17. Yeah. You know, seven yeah. of those were Rodgers. Um, and so if, if you can keep a team, if this defense can keep a team at 17 or below, I would think Aaron Rodgers can outscore that. Um, Absolutely. The Giant, playoff Rodgers has had what forty-two. You know he's had to come up with forty-two points a game to win. So regular season. But to Rodgers your point, Maggie, the Giants are only two behind the Packers in scoring defense. They've given up seventeen point eight. So, <laughs> All right. well, we shall see. It's a good matchup. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. I, I agree with you that a three-and-one Giants is not quite on paper. It sounds better than it actually is in reality. But because of what each team does well, they match up well. Yeah, it'll be, it'll totally. be very interesting. So, what's your what's your score prediction for this one? Oh, I don't know. I was totally off on the Vikings game. Um, I actually wasn't too bad on the Bears. The Bucks game, I had the score almost exactly right, but I picked the Bucks to win. Mm. But I figured it would be low scoring, and then Patriots. I actually did not expect it would be that close with where it was. I either thought it was going to be a blowout, like a 42-17 game, or like a 17-21 game, which I guess it wasn't too far off that. All of that to say, I'm not doing great in my predictions this year. (laughs) Um, I feel like I'm batting about – I'm giving myself 500 because I've been decent in the score, like in the numbers, but not necessarily who wins. All of that to say, I have yet to answer your question. Um, I do this on Friday, so I haven't put that much thought into it yet. I feel like if the Packers can score first, that's a big if. But if Packers score first, they should be able to win this game by two possessions because they'll pull they'll pull ahead in the fourth. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's around. I don't think I it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be high scoring. I mean, I think we could see a game in the teens again, like a like a like a twenty fourteen game. Oh, that's not two possessions, is it? <laughs> well, I just totally contradicted myself. Um, twenty four fourteen. Yeah, I gonna say twenty four fourteen. Yeah, if they I had I had something yeah. around like twenty seven seventeen, so somewhere around that. I I don't know. I'm still waiting for that first 30-point game from the Packers offense. I don't Mm -hmm. know if we're there yet, um, especially in this kind of away environment. But I do think it's two possessions as well. I agree with you. If Daniel Jones plays, makes a huge difference as well. True. Very true. Mag, what are you thinking? I'm going 31-17. I do think we hit 30, and I think the Packers have gotten close. And I think most of these issues with scoring have been self-inflicted, like Aaron Jones on the goal line, Romeo Dobbs fumbling. Like They were in range to score points, and then something happened. So if they can just kind of clean things up a little bit, I I think they're going to hit their stride on offense. And the Giants have yet to put up more than 21 all season. So I'm saying 31-17, and I think the Packers are going to get some things together on offense. That's a great point. I like it. I love it. Yeah. Cassidy, thank you so much for your time. This was awesome. Thank y'all. Such a fun discussion. Um, Can't wait to see how this game unfolds. Before we let you go, um, just share where everyone can follow you on socials, what you're up to, anything new you have coming out. I have to just say for first off, your videos with the guys, just getting them to answer fun (laughs) questions, your TikTok about corn, just you've been bringing such a really, really fun, really fun video is is my, it's amazing. (laughs) It's, it's your Mona Lisa, as I know. It is. That's what I called it. My Mona Lisa. Um, I, I'm just, I'm, I have, I mean, so I don't know if you know this, but um, Aaron Nagler and Corey Banky of Cheesehead TV did Packers transplants this week, and they have a blogosphere section of it where they gave you like the biggest shout out for the work Aww. that you're doing. And I could not echo it more because I totally agree. I just think you bring a really unique and fun um, element to the beat now. But anyway, please tell everyone Thank how you. they can find you and all your awesome work. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, 
it's been a lot of fun to kind of like get to know women and to figure out a way to bring out their personality. Um, and I've, I've really appreciated the guy's willingness to just, you know, go along with it. <laughs> and like, I knew that I had their trust when I went up to Jair and I said, look, I'm not giving you any context with this. I just need you to say the word knobs. And, and he did it without question and then walked away. <laughs> the only, the only person to question me on that corn video was Darnell Savage. He was like, I need to know that what tracks. this is for. That tracks. And I said, it's, I'm putting it to a TikTok sound. And he said, I need to see the TikTok. So I had to show him the TikTok before he would do it. <laughs> um, he was the only person to question it. All of that to say, you can find me at packersnews.com that's sort of the landing page stuff will be in the milwaukee journal sentinel and the green bay press gazette and on js online and on press gazette as well but all of the packer stuff sort of gets its own landing page as well on packersnews.com and then a lot of the the videos as perry was mentioning are either on my twitter or instagram which is cassidy g hill cassidy with a k and then on the um either Packers News, Twitter and Instagram, or JS Online, Instagram and TikTok. I believe the corn video is on the JS Online, Instagram and TikTok, <laughs> and on my Instagram and TikTok as well. So I was going to say, yeah. we're going to circulate that from the Packs What She Said page. So if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it yet, <laughs> yeah. we will make sure that you can see the corn TikTok. It is 11 seconds of just gloriousness. <laughs> <laughs> it is well worth your time. You can do a lot of really great things in 11 seconds but exactly that's probably, that's probably and the then best one we have a video going up tomorrow i'm working on it um right now where i tested the guys on their knowledge of london slang and so that was Can't that wait, was I a lot me. of fun the only one they all knew was bloody and they they had way too much fun with that one um <laughs> but yeah so that'll be up tomorrow as well awesome yeah thank you so much this has been fantastic um definitely would love to have you back on maybe for like the playoffs maybe we could talk about the playoffs sure. that'd be fun yeah well, uh, we go to the super bowl yeah exactly. <laughs> we'll, we'll save you yeah we'll save you for the super bowl you've penciled yourself in so if uh <laughs> um you've you're used to it right you covered the bama championships so now we should uh exactly. have you had to cover a, a pack and nothing but drama and trophies <laughs> <laughs> that should be your new twitter bio there we go <laughs> Not a perfect for content purposes. So absolutely, exactly, exactly. That's what I'm all about. <laughs> this has been the Packs with She Said podcast. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J Loney. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at PWSS Podcast, or find us on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitch at Packs with She Said. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.